What is going on, Sucka listenership? Back for another episode, another week of Sucker Radio. I'm your host, as always, Jeremy Brand. The episode drops on MMASucker.com. This week, I'm joined by Island Top Team Head Instructor, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu Black Belt, Rob Bernacki. Uh, his name's been out there over the past couple weeks for a little blog post that he wrote. You guys may not know him, so we're going to get into that. We're going to get into much more. But I wanted to have Rob on the show because he is outspoken about stuff like this. And it's stuff that needs to be said to not just jujitsu guys, but martial arts people in general. So, Rob, thanks for joining me today, man. Oh, it's my pleasure. Now, I guess before we get into things, uh, I, I did do a video with you in the past when we came over there to Nanaimo. And uh, so it sort of gave your background and whatnot. But. If people are listening to this and they didn't get a chance to watch that video, why don't you just give people sort of a backstory on yourself without going in and, you know, writing an entire novel. Just let people know how you came up and, and how you got started with Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and, and got to where you're at now. Sure. Uh, so I started with Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu mostly as part of my MMA training. Uh, and that was going back to like about 2002 where I would do no gi Jiu-Jitsu and I was also doing you know, all kickboxing, Muay Thai, wrestling, all that kind of stuff. Uh, and then in around 2010, I started focusing on gi jiu-jitsu, uh, and I got my black belt pretty quickly. And that's kind of uh, like one of the things I'm, I guess, known for is a, a conceptual systems-based approach to learning jiu-jitsu. And I, I kind of credit that with my ability to uh, learn the gi game pretty quickly and uh, you know, teach the same thing to my students. Like I, I believe that learning jiu-jitsu as a collection of random moves that you're trying to memorize is nowhere near as efficient as learning jiu-jitsu as a set of concepts that allow you to understand the, the fundamental underpinnings of the art uh, and as a set of systems that give you a really structured way of learning how to move appropriately, how to be as efficient as possible at the high levels. So we kind of we use concepts, we use systems, we use a um, an 80-20 approach, a Pareto distribution approach to try to maximize what are the best things to focus on, and we do that by modeling the best people in the art. So I, I've trained with uh, some of the best guys in the world. Uh, I'm not going to be like that name dropper. You can certainly look <laughs> up my bio if you want. Uh, I've name dropped enough, so uh, in the past. So yeah, like I've trained with the best people in the world, and I try to model what they do as a as a coach and as a practitioner. So yeah, I guess that's something that has been brought up in the past is is that, you know, these guys that you have trained with have said things like there are copycats all over the place. Do you do you consider yourself a copycat in terms of sort of that, you know, leg entanglement game and all that other kind of stuff? Uh, yeah, I mean, put it this way, there's a phrase, and I think I've used this in the past, it's like, if I see far, it's because I stand on the shoulders of giants. Uh, uh, I mean, there's nobody in jiu-jitsu that is doing entirely unique jujitsu, right? Like everybody has learned the majority of what they do from somebody else. Uh, and it's certainly, I think the way that our art perpetuates itself is as long as we give credit to where we learned material. And as long as we, uh, are, are honest about giving credit. And as long as we're, uh, I guess, uh, genuine in our desire to spread knowledge rather than trying to um, hoard any kind of credit or knowledge for ourselves. Uh, I think that's really the only way the art gets spread. So, you know, if somebody wants to call me, uh, you know, a poor man's Ryan Hall, I'll take that because I think Ryan Hall is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if somebody says that we're, you know, like I'm a, a discount version of Tyotera, damn, that's fantastic. Tyotera is the best in the world. If I'm a discount version of that, I'm still pretty good. So, yeah, I mean, I have no issue with people who are going to try to 
um, you know, maybe criticize what I do by saying that I copy good people. It's like, who am I going to copy? You know, like I, I'm not going to come up with jujitsu on my own. I'm not going to come up with a system of jujitsu that works better than what the best guys on the planet do. And if I were to try to do that, I would be either a complete retard or arrogant beyond belief, or probably a combination of both, which is where you get like the Dunning-Kruger effect thing, for those of you that want to look that up. Uh, you know, I'm I'm certainly not that. Uh, so I, I want to make sure that if I'm going to present information to anybody, I'm going to try to present the highest level of information I can find, and I'm always going to do it through this you know, systems-based kind of conceptual filter, and just because I think it's a superior way to categorize and learn the material. And it's definitely worked for you. I mean, as we see with your visiting student program, people are coming to you from all over the world to to learn what you have in your game plan or in your tool belt, I guess you can say. Uh, talk about that a little bit and, and what the visiting student program is all about. Uh, yeah, so the visiting student program is something that I, I've done from the very beginning of my academy being uh, in business, but a lot of people didn't know about it because I'm just some like nobody in Nanaimo, you know, small town in Canada. Um, but as I gained a bit of notoriety through the release of the, the BJJ formula and the modern leg lock formula instructionals with, with Stefan Kesting, you know, shameless plug there, um, <laughs> but you know, a lot more people were exposed. And also I, I do a lot of seminars. I, I, I do a lot of charity seminars I, I try to distribute jiu-jitsu as much as possible um whether it's you know keeping seminars pretty reasonable or just doing outright free seminars for people so uh, a lot of people got to know me through that as well and um so this program basically anybody from anywhere uh on the planet any school if you contact me and uh give me a little bit of a heads up because we are booked quite a ways ahead uh because of the popularity of the program. But if you just contact me and let me know, uh, I will find one week for you. And you can stay for free for that week with me. I, I have a home with a couple of guest bedrooms just so that I could host more people. And you can train for free for a week. So we have people who are coming from all over the world, you know, from white belt to black belt that are uh, you know, aware of our instructional material and want to take their understanding of conceptual jiu-jitsu uh, to a higher level. So, you know, we've got certainly hobbyists who come to us, uh, you know, white belts, blue belts, purple belts, what have you. Uh, and we've got more dedicated uh, like competition-type practitioners, uh, people who run academies, who teach, uh, who want to increase their understanding of conceptual jiu-jitsu and their ability to convey information to their students. Uh, and we don't discriminate in the sense that, like, I don't care if you're a hardcore competitor or you're a black belt or I don't care if you're a hobbyist and you're a white belt. Like, uh, across the spectrum, I just want people who care about good jiu-jitsu to have access to good jiu-jitsu. Uh, and people who believe that our method is going to help them maximize their jiu-jitsu, then I want to help them out. So one of the things that I'm the proudest of about this program is the feedback that I've gotten from people who are like, hey, man, what's cool about this is, you know, some random white belt comes to your school and they don't compete and they're not like going to create any particular notoriety for you by you working with them. But you're still going to give you you're still going to give them your time. Right, so nobody is going to come to me and get a different version of me. There, anybody who comes to my school is going to get my 100% best effort to help you maximize your jiu-jitsu. It's so cool, and and I, I saw that firsthand. Unfortunately, we only got to spend a day with you, like 24 hours basically, um, but we soaked it all in. Now, I have to ask, two things came up from that answer that you gave. I think the cool thing is is that you're opening up your place. You're letting people come in. 
do you feel like a week is enough time or are these people like taking a week and then doing it again later that year because they need to sort of immerse themselves even more? Um, well, so that, that's really, I guess, dependent on their, um, their schedule and their resources. We certainly have regular visiting students. So we have students who come here. I mean, we've even got people that are coming once a month, you know, once every two months. We've got people that are coming here from like flying from all over the place that are coming two, three times a year because that's as often as they can reasonably make time to come in. Uh, so, yeah, it's, I mean, obviously you, you get out of life what you put in. And if you're going to try to learn a system and you're not going to be able to do it in a week. Now, fortunately, we have a lot of uh, resources for people who want to learn our methods, whether it's through Stefan Kesting's um, instructional material through grapplearts.com, or we now have a, an online academy project that's going to be launched in a few weeks. Uh, so there are people that can access uh, the stuff, but there's no substitute for doing it in person. So, uh, yeah, we, we welcome regular visitors. We are building a, a, a growing number of returning visiting students, uh, affiliate schools where the instructors are coming and training with us to to be able to better teach the system. Uh, and just again, like I said, hobbyists, competitors, basically anybody. If you love jujitsu, uh, you know it's not like you can just visit once. If you come in. And we build a relationship, and we, uh, you know, and, and you value what I'm offering to your jiu-jitsu. You value what my students, what, what what our teammates are offering to your jiu-jitsu. Then come back, and you know, we'd love to have you. Cool. We'll talk about that online thing in a little bit, but I want to ask you also. You know, the thing that I find so interesting is that you do just want to share your jiu-jitsu knowledge and what you've learned, and and you put some of these seminars that you do, you film them, you throw them up on your YouTube channel for free. Has there been feedback on that, like negative feedback on that? Because a lot of people, especially old school guys, and trying to sell themselves, you know, there's such a egotistical thing going on with the jiu-jitsu community. Still in this day, there are egos that are driven in this sport. Um, what has the feedback been for you in terms of giving away a lot of your stuff for free? I mean, other than one incident, the, uh, the yeah. feedback has been overwhelmingly positive, right? Like, obviously, I, I, I trained with uh, with Eddie Cummings a while back, and I, I posted a, a really tiny fraction of uh, some of the material that he had um, had shown me, it, it, frankly, in an effort to try to popularize leg locks in BC. And I was at the same time trying to get him out for a seminar. So like, there was no malice to it. I wasn't trying to give away anybody's secrets. And uh, certainly when I was asked to, you know, not post, like to remove the information, I did it right away because I don't ever want to uh, do anything to upset anybody. I, I, I definitely upset people no matter what. And certainly sometimes I upset people and I know I've done it. But, uh, you know, like I, I, anybody else that I've trained with and, uh, you know, I've shared information, I, I still have a really good relationship with. And I think, again, the way that our community grows is by the sharing of information. Uh, and, you know, despite what some people have tried to say, I, I don't just like go out and learn something from somebody and parrot it completely. You know, like there's, there's definitely a process of developing our own um, prism, our own lens on the information and presenting it that way. And we develop our own systems. And uh, you know, anytime I straight up show something that I just directly got from someone else, I'm immediately giving them credit. I would never... Uh, try to pretend that I've developed anything that's been handed down to me. Uh, that's, uh, obviously, that's not how somebody should conduct themselves as a, as a person, as an instructor, as an ambassador for an art. Uh, so, yeah, like the feedback has been 99.9% positive. 
Uh, and, you know, for the most part, what I've found is that the criticism that I've received has been, uh, you know, let's just say disingenuously motivated. Uh, you know, the, the people that have criticized some of the stuff that I've done, uh, they have an ax to grind with me personally. They have an ax to grind with, um, you know, the, the approach that I have, and they're not really willing to engage the merit of what I'm doing. What they're willing to do is create a straw man and pretend that, uh, you know, this is something that I'm doing and then attack that, which is, uh, you know, for those of you that are, that are familiar with logical fallacies, it's one of them. You know, like if you're a, a disingenuous debater and you know that you don't have an intellectual leg to stand on, then you don't try to argue the actual point. You just you, you create a bunch of smoke and mirrors and you argue that in an effort to discredit the person that's presenting the argument. For sure. Very well said. All right, let's talk about this blog post that uh, you put up. It has to do with rank, um, and I'll just read the first paragraph for, for everyone here. Basically, it says, In light of some recent promotions on the island, I would like to propose a more obvious and public distinction between merit-based and time-based rank in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. So, you wrote in here an elite... Black Belt once told me 75% of Black Belts I've rolled with are just Purple Belts that got promoted. And, you know, you, you didn't really, you didn't slag on anyone in this blog, but I'm sure the feedback that you got has been very mixed. Uh, speak about the, the reason behind writing this piece and the feedback that you've gotten since uh, that blog was published. Yeah, well, I mean, the reason behind it is, uh, like, not to get too, like, grandiose, but we are currently in, in a position in our society where we're in a, there's a bit of a culture war going on. You know, if you look at the news and you look at, uh, for example, what's going on in universities in all, all through North America, like anybody who's spent any amount of time on YouTube, I think, has probably heard of Jordan Peterson. Uh, you know, maybe you've heard of the, the Lindsay Shepard uh, incident uh, over at, um, man, I'm blanking on the name of the university, but it's over, it's, it's on the East Coast. Anyway, the point being, there's a, there's a culture war between uh, merit and entitlement. And there is a, a, there's a, certainly a, an aspect of our society that believes that the way that our society should go is that merit doesn't matter and that everybody should get to do whatever they want. Everybody's entitled to be a winner. Everybody's entitled to claim an identity, and everyone has to follow what that person says and that you're not allowed to actually uh, you know, criticize anybody for any reason uh, and then there's the flip side to that, which is the reason that we're successful as a society and the reason that Western civilization has been successful is because we, although we don't always fulfill this ideal, we have an ideal that people who have high skill, high achievement, basically merit, are the people that are going to guide our society, that are going to take us in the directions we need to go. Like the reason we have a society is because we have smart people, scientists, uh, you know, smart politicians. Uh, we have... Uh, you know, good leaders in various fields that are going to, because they have a certain level of ability, they're going to be able to take other people and guide them and lead them to, uh, to a higher level, right? So when we take away merit, when we just say, not only is everybody equal in the sense of you get equal opportunity, but everybody must finish equally, right? Then we're taking the single thing that makes our society function well, and we're destroying it. So, and again, I know that sounds a little bit grandiose, but I'm just, uh, I guess I'm a person with a little bit of a voice in, uh, in a community, and I want to make sure that our community doesn't follow that path. 
And there's, there's just, uh, you know, the thing that we love about Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu for the most part is that, you know, the maths don't lie, is that you can't pretend, you know, we're not a traditional martial art where we, uh, you know, we shoot chi and we break boards and we pretend that that somehow translates into uh, real skill. Like, the, the idea is that people who are transmitting this art to others, there should be a way of figuring out how good they are. And now competition is one way, but it's not the only way. And certainly when it comes to teaching ability, there are various uh, you know, attributes that make somebody a good teacher. And so I think what, was, what, what people tried to pretend I was saying is that anyone who hasn't competed or anyone who is a hobbyist or any of these other like distractions, you know, nothing to do with the, the point I made, any of these arguments like, oh, you know, Rob doesn't respect hobbyists. Rob thinks anyone who taps to a, a lower belt, it, you know, isn't good. Like they basically brought up a bunch of stuff that I've never said rather than address the original point, which is if you're a consumer and you're walking into two schools and you're not part of the jujitsu community, you don't know the code, you don't know the difference and you just see this guy's a black belt and this guy's a black belt. How do you differentiate? Because one guy might be a black belt who has a lot of competition accolades. The other guy might be a black belt who has a lot of coaching accolades or is uh, you know, really well-respected as, as an instructor. And the third guy might be a black belt who trained twice a week, kept showing up, isn't particularly knowledgeable, isn't particularly skilled, but they got their black belt for time in, for attendance, and that guy chooses to open a school. How does a consumer differentiate? The answer is they can't, at least not if, unless people are prepared to be honest about the differences between ranks, right? Like if you go to your university and you get your degree from Harvard, then you get to say, you know, I'm a Harvard graduate and I did this and that. And then you got your degree from Tulsa Community College. You're going to have to put that. But if we just had to say, you know, if I walk into my, uh, you know, whatever, uh, Let's say it's my lawyer, and my lawyer can only say, well, I'm a college graduate. How do you differentiate to somebody who doesn't know from the outside, the guy who's a college graduate from Harvard and the guy who's a college graduate from Tulsa Community College? So if we're not able to have this discussion honestly and be able to actually say, listen, this guy just got promoted because he kept showing up. He's not that skilled. Then, you know, and, and we, you know, I, I, the reason I tried to, bring forth the notion of merit-based and time-based is so that we don't have to sit around and be like, oh, no, that guy sucks, or that guy's not good. Or, like, you don't have to be insulting about it. We just have to be honest and realistic about the idea that some people, whether it's like an elite purple belt who's competed at the highest level and has a ton of skill and has a ton of knowledge to, to convey, or you know, it's a guy who's been a black belt for five years and he's really dedicated to learning the art but maybe he's not as physically gifted and can't roll at a high level but these are both people who are going to be respected because their knowledge and their ability to can convey knowledge is really high and then again you got these guys who just kind of show up mm -hmm. and they they're, they're not it's not that they're bad it's that they're nowhere near the level of people who actually devote themselves to being good at jujitsu and if we're going to continue to grow the art it's important that people be able to distinguish. So there's two things going on, right? Like it's the, it's the, the, the fate of the art and it's the fate of our society in general, where if we don't stand up for merit and stop pretending that everybody's the same, then we're going to have problems. Sorry for the long rant. No, no, <laughs> I, I, I think it's great. And, you know, you do hear it all the time. I mean, I talk to a lot of my training partners who, who go and they do cross training and whatnot and train at other clubs with open mats. And, and you know, you hear it because – 
you know, there's always gossip and talk and whatnot. And they're like, you know, yeah, you'd smash this guy's brown belts or you'd wreck this black belt or, you know, or this blue belt would wreck you and, and whatnot. You know what I mean? Like it happens. Uh, so do you think there ever will be a time where those those monikers or time-based rank or merit-based rank are added on to things like this? Because I, I can't actually see it happening. Well, I, I mean, I'd be very surprised if it did, but I, I certainly wanted to start a conversation. I, 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 I know I'm not the only one that thinks this, uh, because the, the feedback overwhelmingly, you know, the thing about the feedback is, you know, when somebody disagrees with you, they're going to be very public about it. And there were a couple of people who, uh, you know, were unwilling to have the discussion I was bringing up. And but then are these people the people to... that have been graded too quickly? No, I don't know. Like, you know, some people just vehemently disagree with what I say. Yeah. And, uh, and, and there's like really legit high level people who are just like, no, Rob's wrong. And that's fine. Like if, so, if you disagree with what I'm saying, then again, like, let's have the discussion. The, the, I guess the problem that I had with the negative feedback was from a few people who decided to try to make the argument about something I didn't say, tried to make the argument about a bunch of rumors that have been started about me by clubs that don't like what I say that aren't true, uh, and about unrelated stuff from my past. Like, you know, like I used to run a fight club with a funny name, and they're, they're, they're trying to make things out to be something they're not rather than just saying, well, we disagree with Rob, and here's our point. It's like, well, yeah, but Rob's a jerk. Well, yeah, but what about this thing Rob did 10 years ago? Yeah, well, what about Rob demoting people? Well, I don't demote people. I've never demoted anyone. You know, like, what about Rob doing this? Well, I've never done that. But if you start to get into that, like, uh, addressing their, uh, you know, their false points, their logical fallacies, then they're winning because you're – not talking about the thing we're supposed to be talking about. You're talking about the things they're doing to try to distract from it. So I'd rather try to keep the conversation focused on this actual point. And so, you know, will it change? I suspect that if enough people get behind it, it will change. You know, but for the longest time, there was no real avenue for jiu-jitsu competition other than IBJJF at the high level and then, you know, ADCC. Yeah. And then enough people got behind the idea that sub-only – is a, a good way to express jujitsu. And then, you know, enough people are getting behind the idea that leg locks aren't uh, a terrible thing and that you need to know it. And so it's changing. Do some people still train only IBJJF rules? Absolutely. But, you know, the more people talk about something like this, I think the better we are. Because, like you said, there's always gossip. People talk about it in private. And, you know, one of the objections that a few people had to what I said is that I said it in public. Um, and but you didn't so, call anyone yeah. out. I mean, well, well, I, I, you I mean, did a little the, bit. Post, I did mention, uh, I, I did mention Ari Bolden because but you, I think that's a non- but that's a guy that you've man. always like, talked about. <laughs> yeah, and that's a guy that you know, like I'm not being controversial when I say what I say about him because you know it, it's an established fact. It's out there. Uh, so, like, I, you know, sometimes you need to use an example to make a point. Yeah. And, you know, Ari is not uh, in my town. He's not my competitor. He's not somebody that I have any vested interest in, um, you know, dealing with one way or another. He's just somebody who is a bit of a stain on our community and has robbed a lot of people of, of the chance to get good at jiu-jitsu. Uh, you know, he, he lied in the past and has chosen a path to get his black belt that is, you know, it's... 
it's just exactly what I was talking about. Somebody who barely trains, who isn't very good and is just getting promoted anyway. Uh, and yeah, so like that, that was the example that I used, but I didn't say anything that wasn't factual. So, um, yeah, like I, I'm not trying to give my opinion. I was trying to present a factual example. And there's a reason that I don't want to give my personal opinion because my personal opinion doesn't matter. I have certain standards. They're, they're high standards, but they're also very achievable through, uh, you know, just work and following systems and concepts and all that. So I'm not using absurd standards. Um, so they like my standards are just that, you know, if you get a belt, you should be able to go anywhere in the world and be able to represent with that belt. And that doesn't mean you're going to go and win. You know, like if you're a blue belt and you train two, three times a week and you go to, you walk into Atos, you know, their blue belts are going to, you know, their competition blue belts are certainly going to take it to you. But you should still feel like you have the same information, you have similar knowledge, and there's different you know, attributes and traits that certain athletes are going to be able to bring to the table that will allow them to be uh, victorious in whether it's a training role or a competition role. But you shouldn't feel like you don't know what you're doing or that you don't belong. That's, when I say world-class standards, that's all I'm talking about is go anywhere in the world and they'll, they'll be like, oh, yeah, that guy's a blue belt. You know, he's not a world-beater blue belt. He's certainly not going to medal at Worlds. But he's not a guy who doesn't know how to hip escape. He's not a guy who doesn't know how to grip or how to do guard retention or whatever. You know, there are certain skills that good people have at every level. And if you just look to create those skills and rank accordingly, then everything kind of sorts itself out. If you look to rank because people are just showing up, regardless of whether or not they have the actual skill or knowledge, then we have the problems that we have. Is that something you will be implementing at your school? It's something I've always implemented at my school. I don't give people time in rank. I, you only earn rank at my academy for certain skills. And that means that some people may never become black belts at my academy. And I've talked about that at my academy, and people know that. You know, it is, it is, I believe that some people will top out at purple belt. Because that is, like in most martial arts, if you look at kind of what a black belt in most martial arts tends to represent, it's like somebody who just is kind of understanding the art. And is pretty good at it, and now is ready to maybe take the step into mastery. So in in jujitsu, that's the purple belt. The, like the, the purple belt in jujitsu is the equivalent of black belts in most martial arts. Um, so you know, even something like judo, a black belt in judo is kind of like a purple belt in jujitsu, in the sense that like you've learned the techniques that are mostly going to take you. Um, you know, into understanding the art. And then as you refine those and get into like the real expert level, that's when you get into like, you know, again, now brown belt, now black belt and all that sort of thing. So I, I think a lot of people, well, I shouldn't say a lot because that, that, that's, that's just entirely like uh, anecdotal, but there's a decent number of people who will never go beyond purple belt level if we're really applying that, that high standard. And I think that should be okay because not everybody can be a PhD. Not everybody is willing to put in the time and the effort to get to a really high level of expertise to the point where they're going to be able to share and teach the art to a, a wide number of people out there. You know, if you're in the middle of nowhere and there's no other jujitsu and you're a blue belt and you open up an academy, great, you're sharing jujitsu. If you're in a town that has legit black belts in it and you're, and I'm, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I know it because it's true and you're a white belt, and you think that you're entitled to run a school, and you're a blue belt, and you think you're entitled to run a school because, you know, that's the society that we live in now where there are people who think that if I want something, I get to have it. It doesn't matter yeah. if I earn it. It doesn't matter if I'm good enough. I want it, therefore I get it. 
And those are the kind of people that do that. The kind of person that's like, I'm a white belt. I should own a Brazilian jiu-jitsu school is not somebody who cares about high standards or even cares about their students. They care about their own self-gratification. And I think it'd be great if we knew that going in. For sure. Again, well said. Um, Do you think, I guess, do you think, finally, one last point on that. Do you think that it's going to be something that that you're going to have to do where you're going to, if you want this to happen, you, as in Rob Bernacki, wants this to happen, you're going to have to go to the different clubs around British Columbia and talk to these individual coaches themselves to see if we can make it happen as a whole in BC? (laughs) I mean, uh, you know, if I wanted to walk out of a bunch of clubs with a black eye, I suppose I could try that. Um, You know, I I, I don't think that I have the sort of, um, first of all, uh, like, personal reputation or just general reputation where the, you know, the majority of coaches would listen to me. Um, and, it, and, you know, it's, uh, I think I would uh, fancy myself as someone I'm not, if I took that on, um, you know, I'm, I'm not an activist. And I, and I think that uh, the, the amount of, let's say social capital that somebody would have to have to pull that off as a, as a leader that's just not something I have. I'm a guy who rubs a lot of people the wrong way. Um, and there are, are certainly people who appreciate what I do. And I think anybody who does appreciate what I do, it's probably because they know they're always going to get pretty much like, you know, I, I think one of my students put it like, I, I know you're always going to keep it 100 with me. You know, like yeah. you're, you're never going to blow smoke up my ass. Yeah. And so I think the people who appreciate what I do, that's why they know I'm going to give them the, you know, an honest opinion and then I'm going to think about what I what I have to say, what I have to offer as far as that goes, and it's going to be well thought out. But it's 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 also going to be honest, and I'm always going to deliver it with the idea that my 100% priority is how can I help make you better at jujitsu. Uh, and you know, frankly, I think there are club owners out there for whom that is not a priority, and they're never going to listen to what I have to say, and they shouldn't have to. Uh, I I like the fact that we don't have a governing body in jujitsu. I like the fact that everybody gets to run their own club their own way. And it's not incumbent on me to tell anybody how to run their club or do promotions. Like that's not the the discussion I'm trying to have. I'm not saying this is how we should do it. I'm saying at least let's be honest and at least let's be able to talk about what's the difference in quality. What's the difference in knowledge? What's the difference in skill? Uh, Because like you said, we all talk about it privately and the only people who benefit from it not being clear are people who have who, who want to offer less than uh, a high level of quality but want to be able to pretend that it's the same it's like the analogy i give it's like um you know there's a difference between mcdonald's and morton's steakhouse yeah <laughs> and you know if you if you were mcdonald's and you tried to pretend that you offered what morton's steakhouse did people would laugh at you so, you know, McDonald's doesn't pretend that. They're like, hey, man, we offer fast food. It's cheap, and you'll get it in three minutes. And guess what? I guarantee you McDonald's makes way more money than Morton Steakhouse. The really popular jiu-jitsu, uh, you know, affiliations make way more money than the most skillful jiu-jitsu affiliations. It's totally fine for you to offer Uh, to cater to hobbyists. It's totally fine for you to cater to people who aren't interested in being the best they can be, but then just don't pretend. And that's all I'm trying to say. Don't pretend that that's what you're doing. Just say, hey man, we're a hobbyist club. 
or you know, use a definition. You know, we promote people on time. We don't promote people on skill. You show up, you're going to get your rank. There's yeah. some schools that are honest about it. They just straight up say, we promote people based on attendance. Yeah. And that's fine. They still do really well. You know, so as long as you're just recognizing that you don't have to lie, you don't have to misrepresent what you do. And, you know, the, the schools that I think we all take issue with in our community are the ones that try to dress it up like, oh, we do, you know, we do self-defense jujitsu. That generally is code for our jujitsu is not that good. That doesn't mean <laughs> it's all schools. But, you know, generally the ones that focus just on self-defense tend to offer an inferior product. And they're just trying to dress it up as it's different because we don't roll as much, we don't compete as much, we don't do this, we don't do that. There's nothing wrong with offering it. Just be a little more honest about it is what I'm saying. All right, we'll leave it at that. So before I let you go, we'll talk about the online academy that you're getting ready to launch uh, I've seen plenty of social media posts. You know, you guys are doing a lot of uh, plugs on the Instagram page. Uh, one of your brown belts, Rory, is plugging away on his Instagram page with a lot of little instructional things. What? And I've seen feedback on it, actually, that people are really enjoying all this stuff that you got going on. What's going to set your online academy apart from the billions of other or millions of other online academies that are out there that, that people are offering? Yeah, I mean, that's an excellent question, and I certainly would not have even thought about offering an online academy um, if I didn't think that I could offer something different, because, you know, why would you come to me to have you explain a technique when you can go to Rafa Mendez and have him explain a technique? Uh, And, you know, what I offer is just completely different. Uh, I've got an audience uh, kind of around the world now of people who really appreciate the, the, the concepts and the systems and the way that we present them. And so I, you know, basically people just started bugging me. I would get emails from people like, hey, why don't you have an online academy? Why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? And eventually it just got to the point where there was enough of a demand uh, where I was like, all right, I've, I've got a little bit of time and I think I should take on one more new huge project. And so I did it. And so what's going to be different is, um, first of all, the, uh, you know, if you, there, there are going to be two programs. So there's going to be a, a student's program and an instructor's program. So if you get the student's program, you're going to have access to our core concepts, which is our, uh, you know, our, our, it's an updated version of what you would have gotten if you uh, purchased the BJJ formula, where you have a core concepts volume that explains all the fundamental principles that make jiu-jitsu work. Um, and then we've got a a section that we call Fuck Your Jiu-Jitsu, which, as you know, is a set of drills that we do at our academy that's kind of unique. I, I certainly, I'm not saying we're the only ones who do it, but to my knowledge, we're the only ones who use this particular method of drilling uh, and, and situational rolling to create a, a kind of a, a rapid increase in the critical skills that make people good at Jiu-Jitsu. And by that, I don't mean like doing arm bars from the guard. I mean yeah. like <laughs> being able to finish sweeps on people with good base being able to pass the guard, being able to create guard retention skills, uh, you know, essential movements that every good practitioner does but are often not taught or not practiced very much. Uh, so we have this proprietary FYJJ section where you're going to see those different drills and gonna, you're going to have examples of them, uh, how to do them. You're going to have breakdowns of rounds at our academy uh, like the ones that you mentioned Rory was doing. So you're going to have access to that. And then you're going to have access to our entire 101 and 201 curriculum, which is our fundamentals, and then uh, which is our 101, and then our 201, which is all our guard con- our guard modules, our submission control modules, uh, and the way that the information is going to be presented is very different. You're you're not going to see 
Uh, I mean, you are going to see me teach techniques, but the, the techniques are presented in a module. So, for example, we just finished filming the armbar control module. Uh, in most online academies, you would get, you know, uh, one or two videos like, hey, guys, we're going to do the armbar from the guard today. And you'll see that instruction. And then so we just finished filming and our armbar control module has 20 videos. Wow. And it goes over every detail of controlling the armbar as a position, uh, recovering it when somebody escapes, uh, preventing somebody from uh, changing the position, coming back up on top when you feel you're going to lose the armbar, transitioning to the back. Uh, we, when we teach the armbar at our academy, we spend the first two weeks without anybody ever actually finishing an armbar. So halfway down the line, you'll learn braking mechanics, and then you'll learn entries. So you're going to get, basically, in our armbar control module, the same level of detail that you would get from an armbar instructional just on armbars. Uh, and you'll have the conceptual grounding and you know, drills and methods for learning it. So that's what you get in the student um, section of it. Does that sound different enough already? It does, and it sounds like I'm getting you know i'm itching to see what the content is like i so, I, I really want to do that myself so, then, so let people know as well what well, let me just let me just add one more thing sorry to interrupt sure but, yeah um that's what the students get if you get the instructor package you're also going to get access to the pedagogy section which is going to help you with um program design if you want if you are an instructor or you want to be an instructor and you're looking for a a way of communicating jujitsu that's different than just show up and teach random moves and try to have your students memorize them we're going to help people out with program design we're going to help people out with effective communication skills we're going to have videos on how to integrate the concepts with the techniques in class uh, we're going to have a, the majority of our rolling analysis. So some of the videos that you may have seen involved explaining how the concepts come into play from footage of, uh, of rolling at my academy. So most of those videos will be in the pedagogy section. So as a teacher, you can watch that or somebody who wants to be a teacher or just wants to understand jujitsu more comprehensively can watch those and see how all of the concepts and all the techniques are actually being applied and how you can translate them into your own game. Amazing. I have to ask, as I was saying before you, you went into that, how can people, you know, learn more about this? Where can they find it? When do you expect for it to all launch? And what's the price? We're hoping to launch in a few weeks. Right now, we've got all the material pretty much that's going to be available at launch filmed. I'm just waiting for uh, one little uh, fix from my, uh, my web developer. And then we can beta test the site, which we're hoping to take you know, a couple of weeks to make sure that all the kinks are worked out. So I'm hoping by the end of March we can launch. Uh, so if anybody is interested, um, send me an email at islandtopteam at gmail.com and just with the headline Online Academy. And uh, if you want, I will put you on the pre-registration list. And the pre-registration list will... Uh, you'll get notification of when we go live, when we go to beta, and most importantly, you'll get a discount code. Uh, so you'll be able to get your membership access cheaper when we actually do launch. Perfect, Rob. Really appreciate your time today. I hope we got to everything that you wanted to speak about. Uh, just let people know where they can find your academy online, where they can hit you up in social media if they want to do that. Also, you know, you spoke about the visiting student program, how they can get in touch with you for that. Uh, anything else you want to say, the floor is yours. Just talk to the people. Thank you so much. Um, I, you know, if I, if I was going to say anything related to like the whole you know, the blog poster, you know, anything that, uh, that you've ever heard about me by detractors, um, 
please just like send me an email or come to my academy or talk to anybody that's ever trained at my academy or anybody that's ever visited or attended one of my seminars, you know, because there are people who have a vested interest in discrediting me without actually presenting any of the information or material that, uh, that I actually put out there. Uh, so, you know, if you're, if you're on the fence, if you've heard some wacky shit about Rob Bernanke, uh, yeah, reach out, man. I'll, I'll answer your questions. Come to my academy. You'll see what I'm actually like as a person. Uh, and if you need to get a hold of me, islandtopteam.com is our website. Uh, the, the email there is info at islandtopteam.com. And you can email us if you want to visit. We will try to find you a spot as soon as possible. Uh, our academy is on Facebook, uh, so Island Top Team. I'm not personally on Facebook, so if you contact the academy through Facebook, uh, you'll be talking to my admin. You'll get a, a form email. If uh, you want to follow me on social media, I'm on Instagram at Island Top Team. Um, and yeah, I, I actually really uh, take a great deal of pride in the fact that I try to as genuinely as possible, help everybody that I meet that's interested uh, with their jujitsu. And uh, if, you know, that's, if the fact that I occasionally say shit that pisses people off is the worst thing that somebody can say about me, I'm, I'm willing to live with that. <laughs> well said, Rob. Thanks a lot for joining me this week, man. And I'm, I'm glad to hear what you have to say, the honesty that you have, and good luck with the online academy, man. Thank you so much. That does it for another episode of Sucker Radio. You can find us on social media at MMA Sucker. Check out MMASucker.com. Make sure you check out the YouTube series Matt Wars over at our YouTube page featuring one of Rob's guys, Matt Kwan. Uh, he's the king of the mat right now. And uh, you can follow me on Instagram at Jeremy underscore 604 as well as on Twitter at Jeremy Brand 604. That does it for this week. I'm out. <laughs>